Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. Your attention is directed to mining your P's and Q's, where we discuss the sensitive and sometimes treacherous subject of business etiquette. I'm your host, Tim Muma. You're actually listening to part two of my conversation with Eric Anisich regarding the issue of power versus status and its effects in the workplace. In this episode, we touch on the dangerous cycle that can be produced, as well as a company's organizational structure that can play a role. Eric has plenty of insight into this area as he's been a part of a research group that studied this specific topic extensively, and he's also done work as a research coordinator at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. To hear part one of this discussion, go to localjobnetwork.com and click on the radio tab near the top of the screen. Then go to on-demand radio to find Power versus Status, part one. Otherwise, the conversation continues right now. Now, based on you know your research and even just experiences and stuff that you've talked about, uh, there may be a situation where you do want this person to be in uh, some sort of power spot. Maybe they have connections to people. Maybe they do have just a, a tremendous skill that other people don't have. Is there a way if they don't have that status, if they, they, they you want to put them in power, they don't have a, a, the status, so to speak, with the rest of the, the company, is there a way to maybe not expose them to situations, you know, this idea of they are doing the work, but there's almost a, a buffer. There's some sort of face to, to what their work is or their organization. I mean, do you see that as being practical, um, something that you shouldn't maybe play with? I mean, just kind of really your opinion on this area. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a, a little dangerous to do. I mean, and I think it would be difficult as well because one status kind of follows them around. And just because you may be out of sight does not necessarily mean that you're out of mind. So it seems uh, like it would be more fruitful for that employee to kind of put their efforts towards uh, improving their status to the extent they can instead of trying to mask that low status. Mm. Um, it may be potentially possible, you know, if this person is not directly managing or is not required to directly interact with, with others in the organization, if they're kind of on an island or a silo of some sort, and it might be possible to kind of put them aside and, and, and you know, put someone else out there uh, to avoid those negative reactions. But I think, you know, if we're talking about managers, people who are actively, uh, you know, managing their subordinates, it's going to be hard to, you know, kind of put a, you know, a figurehead or a faux leader in, you know, out there front in front of somebody um, and, and kind of get away from those negative reactions. And I think your, you know, your description of that makes a lot of sense. And some of the stuff I've read just in terms of the power and status, there, there's almost this cycle of negativity then because, you know, the subordinates, so to speak, are looking at this person negatively for whatever reason. And in turn, you talk about this low person, high power, maybe enacting some revenge, so to speak, or just, you know, they're just not acting in a way you would expect someone in that position. How can someone break this cycle or how does this happen where you get into these maybe negative cycles, um, like you talked about, that maybe these employees just don't feel highly don't don't think highly don't speak highly of this person that's in power and it just kind of goes back and forth of these negative feelings i mean what do you do in that position that's a very difficult position to be in because then you know everyone's kind of exposed to this like you said this cycle of disrespect and aggression that will you know could ultimately end in this relationship conflict fallout and and i think it's it's very hard i mean i think you know kind of handpicking the right people for the right jobs is you know an, an important thing to consider so i mean and also working in small groups mm -hmm. uh, to the extent that you can get people who already have some rapport with each other working on similar tasks. Um, I think you know these things get a little bit more problematic when we're talking about a kind of a formal top-down hierarchy mm -hmm. in organization where you can't really escape your boss and, and you, the boss 
can't really escape their employees other than firing them. Um, you know, those types of situations are difficult. I mean, I guess the, the due diligence should probably be done on the front end of hiring to see if there's a way to screen these people out, if that's the case. But if it's a, more, if it's a flatter hierarchy where an environment where you need to be more creative and there's, you know, there's less formal uh, boundaries and things like that, you know, I think just identifying it and, you know, bringing it to people's attention, whether directly to them or to, you know, your colleagues or supervisors to, you know, brainstorm ways to address this because hopefully it's it may be something the person disrespecting or, or condescending uh, down onto others mm-hmm. might not even know about so it could be uh you know something that could be fixed but um yeah i mean it, it certainly depends on the type of hierarchy i think you're working in and kind of along those lines that's what i was thinking in terms of i mean are there types of people or positions or industries uh, you know you mentioned the creative side maybe it's it's easier to manipulate who works with whom and that sort of thing are there certain areas that maybe these power status disconnects are are more problematic uh, that you've come across or or maybe thought about or even researched i think some of those rigid uh formal hierarchies uh, can can really lead to more conflict mm-hmm. so i've done some research on on kind of group productivity based on the the hierarchical composition of the groups and and basically we found that when there are you know all high power people they tend to butt heads and that this ultimately leads to reduced productivity but also more conflict among the group right. members and and you know i think the situation where you have a formal hierarchy makes it very hard to address those types of things other than i said on the front end um, it's hard to address it once you're kind of embedded in that hierarchy um, when you're in a more in a flatter arrangement i think you know there is more latitude and flexibility to kind of get on the same page with with people and 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 work use complementary skills so a, a lot of times i mean the research has shown that kind of the psychology of of uh, you know, people who have power and lack power, or the psychology of people who have a particular skill and another person who has a complementary skill. You know, there are a lot of ways to build small teams of people who have complementary psychological traits or complementary skill sets. And I think that's one way to kind of avoid these negative things is if you compare people, a person who has a strong desire for mm-hmm. power and you put them in a powerful position and someone who doesn't necessarily have a, a, a drive for power, they can maybe be in a lower power position and be comfortable with that. So, there's, there's ways to kind of play around with the complementarity of uh, different roles in a group. So, I mean, that's probably one way to, to help address it. And I think what you describe uh, this more of a flatter hierarchy, lateral movement type stuff, I think that is happening more often. And, and maybe it has to do with this issue. Maybe it has, you know, some other topics at hand there. But uh, I do think it, it seems like it's more prevalent now than, than in the past. Now, with that said, there's still going to be situations that could arise. If you're speaking to employers or you're talking to, to somebody in a position that can maybe help limit these, these things from happening, what ways can they avoid these situations from coming up in terms of power status divide and how it might affect, um, you know, people working together or how it might even break them apart, so to speak, um, just in terms of maybe respect or value or, or different opportunities. I mean, what's kind of the general thing there you'd be looking at to, to help employers with? One implication of this is, you know, the idea of transparency. I mean, people, a lot of times conflicts arise between employees because it's a simple misunderstanding mm-hmm. or somebody, uh, you know, feels disrespected by another employee, but that other employee doesn't really know how much effort or how long something, uh, a task has taken the the first employee. So I think to the extent people can be transparent and open with people, and this kind of starts probably from the, the top down, of, you know, recognizing employees who do a good job, you know, sending little low cost yet, you know, high impact uh, thank you emails and, and, you know, acknowledgements to the team um, just so that everyone is on the same page. I mean, 
it's it's difficult to go around and be overly self-promotional in order to gain status. In fact, that's probably one way to lose yeah. <laughs> status. But I think it is the case if you have kind of uh, someone go to bat for you and, and who knows what you've done and what you're capable of to go speak on your behalf and say, look, I know this person has done X, Y, and Z, and it's, you know, taken them a long time. They've done a great job. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge that. I think that type of transparency is really helpful in terms of, uh, you know, letting everyone letting everyone's uh, efforts and accomplishments kind of arise in a way that doesn't seem overly uh, braggadocious, I guess. If, if you have someone else do it for you, it's, it's you know, better, and it serves multiple purposes. It, it helps that person gain status, and it lets everyone get on the same page. Now, do you have an idea, uh, you know, we talk about this maybe flatter hierarchy, and, uh, you know, a lot of what employees or former employees talk about even is they're always looking for that opportunity to advance. And sometimes it's seen as this, this lateral movement isn't really advancement. What would be your thoughts or advice to them, so to speak, in, in viewing things maybe differently? Because, you know, especially when you're working together uh, with this type of power status struggle, um, how do you see that in terms of, is there still advancement there with these flatter hierarchies? Or is that maybe eliminated a little bit, uh, maybe causing a little conflict there too? Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the, you know, the foundational aspects of a flat hierarchy is that you know there is no single shot caller, single you know overarching boss right. raining down on everyone. And so, in that sense, I think you know advancement opportunities probably exist, but they they probably exist more in the domain of status. I mean, hmm. um, and, and maybe uh, along formal power lines such as salary. I mean, I'm sure people you know have variance in their right. salaries even if they're in flatter organizations. But in terms of titles and and you know putting people on pedestals, it, it doesn't work so well in a flat hierarchy. But there are other ways. I mean, I think you know. The people who self-select into those types of organizations, I think, probably, you know, value those types of, of status uh, signals and status benefits more than they would the traditional power uh, or formal hierarchy benefits that they may get in another organization that's that's more hierarchical. So, I think in in the formal hierarchy as well as more of a flat hierarchy, you see people kind of self-selecting into those organizations mm. with a particular psychological profile, and then they find fulfillment in advancing uh, based on the structure of those organizations. Now, you brought up an interesting point about the, the idea of maybe there's more status uh, recognition type thing in, in that flat hierarchy. But in terms of status, and you talked a little, bit, a little bit about it, and that you know a good way to maybe lose status is the self-promotion and be sort of braggadocious. Is status then in the workplace especially, is it a little bit fleeting? Is it something that you need to sort of proceed with caution in terms of using it or, uh, you know, I don't want to say manipulating anything, but just, just using it as a strategy, so to speak? I mean, what's kind of your general advice, would you say, from what you've seen and how people react to to the interaction of really just status in this case? Speaking just to, to status, it's certainly something that it is constantly updated by other people. Um, so if you're the, the target, if you're the person with status, then everyone else is constantly updating their perceptions of you, and, and that causes your status to change. Um, usually, I would say you know that that's happening. Mm -hmm. In fact, Cameron Anderson, uh, who's a professor at Berkeley, has actually done some great research on this. Um, it, it turns out that status is actually one of the few like human traits that, that people accurately perceive. Mm -hmm. So there are huge relational consequences for misperceiving one's status in a group. So if you ask somebody, you know, where do they stand in terms of status in a group, they will give you uh, an accurate answer, or at least they'll be able to give you an accurate answer, because overestimating or underestimating that is is, is very costly in terms of relationships and, and outcomes in many cases. But yeah, I mean, I think there 
people, like you said, should not be overly concerned with flaunting their status or or seeking status because it can come off as is very disingenuous. And I think it's it, it completely works against you in that case. Um, you know, status really has to emerge organically, and once you have it, it's it's not guaranteed that it will be mm-hmm. there. Uh, you know. The next day, even if you do something incredibly egregious, your status will plummet uh, immediately and, and perhaps beyond repair. But there are ways to remind people of your status in the organization. I mean, like I said, you can kind of have someone speak to your accomplishments uh, for you, whether they do that on their own or whether you prompt them to or whatever the case may be. It's usually better than you doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there there are symbols of status that you don't even that can kind of go unspoken. So. You know, people are assigned parking spots that are more favorable if they're high status. People are, uh, you know, they can have the the bigger desk and the 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 bigger office, and all these things are symbols of status. Right. And people pick up on this pretty quickly. So you don't need to remind people that you know I have the the nicer office or the better parking spot, or I've I have more accomplishments than you in this context. People pick up on that, and I think if it's unspoken, it will still be understood. Well, I like that you brought that part of it up because I think sometimes, you know, we, we talk in general about status being a, a positive thing and a good thing, but would you say at a point it's it's dangerous almost to the other extreme that if you're seeing all these perks that somebody's getting that, I mean, that's a situation where suddenly that status goes away, at least amongst maybe the subordinates or employees if it's a the head of a company. I mean, again, it feels like there's a little bit of a, a delicate balance there. I think there's a, definitely a delicate balance when, when trying to manage one's you know reputation and status. And you certainly touch on, on an interesting point because I think it gets at the mm-hmm. idea of, of jealousy in many in many cases. And if especially if things are not seen as if punishments and rewards are not seen as as being uh, delivered consistently and fairly, you know this gets to the the just uh, you know procedural justice aspect of the, the organization. But if there's a sense that uh, a high power person has their role illegitimately, it's likely they, well, A, they probably don't have high status, so then it's, a, it's more of a conversation about power at this point. But also, just being in that position uh, can make people resent you. It can make other people uh, jealous of you that you somehow uh, have achieved or been given these this helping hand or whatnot that you maybe uh, don't deserve or that maybe was done uh, in a not-so-ethical uh, way, perhaps. But, you know, all these things are... are are mm. difficult to manage. I think if you're seen as, if you have high status, then by definition, others respect and admire you. So it's safe to say that people who have high status probably, uh, you know, aren't the ones being spoken behind their backs about, um, so to speak. Yeah, that's fair. And then just again with this, again, kind of thinking out loud for the most part, but mm-hmm. if we talk about that status, it could be fleeting. You could do something one day and, you know, whether it be an unethical thing or maybe you just did something stupid at a party, which we had a, <laughs> a business etiquette expert on. She talked about it. It does really happen. Um, <laughs> but if you feel like you have, if you are, you know, correctly perceiving that you have this status now amongst your peers, maybe even amongst some management, I mean, is it right? Is it proper? Is it something you'd advise then to strike while the iron's hot, so to, so to speak, and try to, you know, get yourself into a position of power or into a, a spot you wanted, or uh, even if it's a lateral movement into a different department, so to speak? I mean, is it okay? Is it right? Is it a good strategy to to take advantage, so to speak, of that that high status that you may have acquired? So I'm I'm not sure if I can speak to whether it's it's right or not. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that'll be a, a person's individual judgment. But sure, I think sure. w- what what I can say is that it, it probably will open more doors to you to to make mm-hmm. those types of uh, movements if if you want to. So, 
you know, having high status means that you probably have a broader social network of people who respect and value you for your skills or expertise or knowledge. So you have a wider social network to draw from in terms of, you know, seeking new opportunities or seeking advancement in the organization or even uh, in another organization. You know, if you're high status in organization A and you have friends and, and colleagues at other or similar organizations in the industry, perhaps maybe they'll try to poach you from that. So, I mean, having high status and respect and admiration, and all these things can can provide you with opportunities in the future. You know, whether you try to capitalize on those is, is you know, on a case-by-case basis, but certainly I think it, it opens some doors for you. You know, we are getting a little low on time. Obviously, we've touched on a lot of, of things, but I did want to just kind of give you a, a broad, I guess, open question in terms of we're talking about the, the relationship between power and status and maybe where people struggle with it, or in this case, like we just talked about, that you're able to use status to you know gain power, and sometimes the power gives you status itself. So what would be your general takeaway, your general advice in terms of dealing with this relationship of power and status in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think there, there are probably three points to make. And, you know, the first is I think it's important for people to recognize that power and status dynamics are always at work and, mm-hmm. you know, we should pay attention to them, but not become overly fixated or obsessed with them. The second thing is is that as an employer, it's important to acknowledge that your employees will have different needs at different times, like I mentioned earlier. So some may strive for formal power, while others may only need this kind of subtle form of affirmation from time to time. So there's really no one-size-fits-all when it comes to power and status. Um, and, and you can use this to your advantage as an employer because you won't always have or you won't always be in a position to promote someone. So you may need to meet their psychological needs in, in other ways and maybe looking at complementary arrangements is, is one way to do that. And finally, um, you know, people who have power but lack status, which is one of the type of you know, profiles we talked about earlier, those people occupy a potentially dangerous position in the organization. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably why we, we spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, these people are likely to feel disrespected by others and they're likely to treat others disrespectfully. And, and this can create, like you said, this cycle of negativity and conflict and uh, relationship uh, damage. So it's important to consider these consequences and, and ways to avoid them when making promotion and hiring decisions and just when going about your, your daily life in the organization, I'd say. Great. No, I think you summed it up perfectly. And like I said, we were able to cover a lot of areas and I appreciate your insight with it. Um, but that did, I think that's a good summary of just the basic premise of all this. And obviously you guys are doing, you know, a number of uh, different things in terms of research that probably hasn't been touched on much because I think even in the research it talked about that power has been checked on and status separately, but not, you know, together as you guys have been doing. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an exciting area for research and it's certainly uh, applicable to the real world and organizations as we've kind of talked about today. Great. Well, with that, we will bring Mining Your P's and Q's to its conclusion today. No doubt the listeners will have some added insight and perspective on this power status relationship and its effects, whether it be in the workplace or it could be in your home as well. We are joined today by Eric Anisich to delve into this topic further. Uh, where can people find out more about the work you've done or uh, really find anything out about you? Sure. So uh, I'm a doctoral student at Columbia Business School, so listeners can go to Columbia Business School's website, and I have a, a profile on there with some of my research interests and, and uh, ongoing projects. So if you're interested, you can check that out. All right, great. Well, we do appreciate you helping us out with this topic today. Yeah, thanks so much. Definitely. And thank you to all you listeners as well. Of course, keep coming back to continue the learning process on Mining Your P's and Q's, part of localjobnetwork.com radio. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Until we speak again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. 